If you have a dream, go for it 110%. Do not give up. Every woman is strong enough. They don't need a man or another woman to tell them what they need to do in this life. If you have to take a break, that's fine. Sometimes you have to take a step back. And when you come at it at a different angle, you might be able to find the right piece to go into the hole. But always go back to it. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries. A community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Femcanics, I want to hear from you and get your feedback. I want to know what you like or don't like about the podcast. I want to make it yours. You can leave a message by calling 614-636-2240. Again, it's 614-636-2240. Leave me a message and who knows, you might hear yourself on the podcast. Amanda Cassad is in the driver's seat today. She shares her journey of perseverance as she went from being paralyzed, through recovery, and on to becoming a heavy diesel mechanic working on 18-wheel trucks. Join us for this inspirational show. Hello, Femcanics. This is Jamie B. coming to you. And in the driver's seat today, I have Amanda Nicole Cassad. How are you doing today, Amanda? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. We are going to jump right in and we are going to learn about Amanda. And the most logical place for us to start is in the beginning. What got you into the automotive industry? Originally, when I was a little tiny tot, my stepdad, who became one of my greatest heroes and greatest supporters in my life was in, really big into dirt track. And I would actually sneak out of the house while my mom was trying to teach me and my brothers how to cook. And I'd go out and help him work on the race car. Sitting there, barely old enough to not be wearing diapers. I'd be out there helping him, watching him, and learning everything that I could. That's awesome. Amanda, I have to ask, what kind of, you said dirt racing, like, what What did he race? Um, at the time, he was building a factory stock, I believe, which is pretty It's pretty simple. It's got a 350 Chevrolet engine in it with a one-barrel carburetor. It's got a three-speed Saginaw transmission and a nine-inch Ford rear end. So it was a truck? It was actually a car. It was a, uh, I believe his was a Monte Carlo. Oh, right. I ask because as a birthday gift, my partner got me a racing experience and it was on a dirt track. So I was just, really, yes, I just did it this past weekend and we did a ride along with a professional driver and then mm-hmm. got to drive after that. I say we, because it was my nephew and I, and it was the biggest rush I have ever experienced in my entire life. Like I cannot wait to do it again. And I was a little hesitant on dirt first, just because it's dirt, right? You don't have perfect traction. Not as much traction as road. I I just loved it. I loved it. So it, it was a car, but I noticed there were almost like buggies or sprint cars, and then there, um, they referred to them as late models and 
different oh, versions. Yeah. So I, I, I was just the late models of Batman car. Yeah, that's what I got to drive. Um, what? Yeah, it was. Oh no, I'm I, I'm, I'm almost the late models. They're kind of like cars, right? They're not the ones with like the ramp on the top. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like that air thing, the ramp on top. Yeah, that is a a sprint car. They're that's more, the sprint car. Yeah, they're smaller, and you actually have to push start them because they do not have starters in them. Yes, for rate weight reduction. So that I did not do the sprint car. I did the late model, and oh my gosh, I've just uh, wow. I would I would recommend it to anyone, even if you don't want to drive. Pay fifty nine dollars and do the ride along with the professional driver. Oh my good lord, that'll that I, I i i'm stuttering like i can't even find words for how absolutely amazing it is so it's it's crazy and ironic that here we are in an interview on a monday night and literally sunday the day before it and your dad raced on dirt that is mm-hmm. awesome so proceed proceed i'm absolutely intrigued i'm so jealous right now I can't wait to do it again, man. Like, I'm still amped up over it. And when you watch the video back, it looks like I'm driving like a grandma. But when you're in it, you feel like you're flying. <laughs> it's only 10 laps. And by you get it takes like the first six laps to just get comfortable with it. Uh-huh. Um, but by then you're practically done because it's 10 laps. <laughs> but I, I intend on doing it again and opening it up uh, even more. But enough about me. Tell me about how you were barely out of diapers and in the garage working on a car with your dad, stepdad. Is that right? Stepdad? He is He is my daddy. He is the one and only that I call my daddy. I do have my biological father in my life, but I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to pass up when you have such a good man in your life that stepped up and taught you everything that he has took the time to spend time with you mm-hmm. and that's that's what it's about I, I totally get it i connected a lot with my stepdad and the bonding time was cars as well he would take me to swap meets his name's randall it's similar to what your experience where i was six years old and cleaning engine parts and having the time of my life and he just took the time to just show me and include me i get it i get it so you're in the garage working with your stepdad so here and there, I'd go out and help him with it because most of the time I had my schoolwork or I had other, other extracurricular activities like softball or things like that. But anytime he needed help, especially little hands, he would come and get me and be like, hey, Amanda, I need you to reach down in here and get this bolt or I need you to tighten this up or I, I just I want to teach you something today. And it kept going on throughout the years. He's had... Numerous different vehicles that I've helped work on. He had a 90-something Chevy, 78 Chevy, I believe. And me and him just always side by side helping each other work on it. And eventually, he started taking me to my uncle's shop where all of, we have a whole had, because my dad's not into it anymore, but all of our racing friends all pretty much gathered up at my uncle's shop because my uncle was pretty much the original. He started off in an old Pinto dirt tracking. and Love the Pintos. <laughs> it was the coolest thing ever. I still have the black and white photo of it uh, as a copy. And 
it's it's the coolest thing ever. It looks like he's actually racing from the back seat. But uh, we all get over there. There was a couple Camaros, a couple of Monte Carlos. I remember being probably about seven years old, getting to sit into one of the pure stock cars and just sitting there helping them bleed the brakes or revving it up for them because I was, I was small enough and it was easier for me to get in and out of them than it was for them. So they just plopped me off down in there. And then <clears throat> after I turned 16, I started going to my Uncle Odell's even more by myself because I was able to drive. And to this day, I still go up and help him. There was an area where I was actually wanting to go to Spartan College of Aeronautics be an aviation mechanic, but I wasn't able to actually acquire the whole amount of money up front to be able to go. So I opted to go to Henderson State University and get my pilot's license. Made it through half a semester when I realized that, hey, flying is really expensive. So I joined the Army after obtaining my junior private pilot's license through Henderson. Joined the Army as a 15 Tango Blackhawk mechanic, but got discharged during basic for injuring my back. And then came back, worked on my back, getting it strengthened up. I'm just curious. How did you injure your back? I fell on a wall. Oof. So there's a thing called the fit to win course. And part of the obstacle course, you have to jump over walls. And your drill sergeant will actually tell you, hey, you need to go one at a time to reduce the chance of injury. Well, I had my hands on the wall and I had just gotten my leg parallel with the wall and somebody tried to jump over the wall with me. My legs went out in front of me. My hand slipped off the wall and I landed on my back on the wall and I just crumpled. My drill sergeant thought I broke my back, but I actually tore my sciatic nerve almost in half oh and gosh. messed up the two vertebrae surrounding it. Oof. Good Lord. So... Man, I imagine a recovery from that. Surgery, I imagine? No. Surgery surgery. was actually more of a risk. They told me that there was more of a risk that I wouldn't be able to walk again afterwards because, go figure, I grew a muscle knot around my sciatic nerve and so that they can't actually see my sciatic nerve now. That's wild. So Mm -hmm. were you just in a back brace? Um, I was actually in a wheelchair for about three weeks. Because I couldn't move my legs. Um, oh, wow. And then... Could the you feel knot, your legs at all? Not really. Oh, man, that had to be terrifying. When the knot formed, it pretty much pulled that nerve together, is what I've seen, like, four doctors in South Carolina. And that's what they told me, is that the when the knot grew together, it pulled that nerve together. And... Is the reason why I'm able to feel and use my legs now. Wow, that is wild. So how long were you not able to walk? Three weeks. Three weeks, you couldn't feel your legs. And at that point in time, no doctors or anyone could tell you for certain if you would walk again? Pretty much. Oh, wow. I was away from my family. I was... In a really bad place because, I mean, I was like, oh, my God, my mom's in Arkansas. I'm in South Carolina. My whole family's not here. And I just had to go through it alone. So by here, you mean where where were you at? I was in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And your family's in Arkansas? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Now, and how old were you? I had just turned 19. Man, that's really young. Good Lord. 
So you were there by yourself for three weeks to a month in a wheelchair waiting to see what happened. Mm -hmm. And basic training is a total of three months long. Was this at the beginning of basic training or middle or end? This was about week three, week four. So you're about one third of the way in then. Okay. And then your second month in basic, you were spending it in the hospital in a wheelchair. No, I was still uh, I was still doing everything that everybody else was doing. I was just doing it in the wheelchair. Like, they go to the chow hall, I just follow them in a the little wheelchair. Wow. So what happened then? The three to four weeks pass, mm-hmm. you were able to get feeling back in your legs again. Then, then what happened? One morning, I woke up, and I was like, I had this weird feeling. I looked down at my toes, and I was moving. I was like, what? So I called my drill sergeant because at this point they had moved me from the second floor to the first floor because I got dropped down a flight of stairs. (laughs) Wait, wait, hold up. You got like literally dropped? Yes. While you were injured, while your back was injured? They were trying to get me up to my bunk. And so they were having to carry me because there's not an an, an escalator. There's not an elevator in the barracks. And so they were trying to, like, help me up the stairs, and I got dropped, and I fell down the stairs. Oh, boy. So they moved. My drill sergeant caused, made me have, or made my what we call battle buddies, which is everybody, like, the other people that are in the Army with you. I don't know if the other branches do it, but say me and you were in the Army together, and you and I are probably going to be assigned as battle buddies. Where you go, I go. We never go alone. So my drill sergeant said, you know what, voiding the battle buddy system for you, going to have them move your bunk and stuff downstairs, and you're going to sleep on the floor. <laughs> they'll help you into bed, and they'll help you back up into your wheelchair every morning. Like, okay. So I woke up one morning, and it was before anybody else had woken up, and there's always a drill sergeant, male or female, there's always a drill sergeant downstairs in case anybody needs anything, and to make sure that we're not doing anything we're not supposed to. And I had this weird feeling i looked down at my toes and i was able to move them oh i was like i was like a kid in a candy store i was like drill sergeant started screaming and she came running up she's like what i was like i can move my toes (laughs) and luckily that morning i had a doctor's appointment off base and so when they took me for my checkup they found that knot and they were like you know what this is a miracle yeah Pretty sure it is, because I can wiggle my toes. And from there on, I started, I was able to, they were like, well, let's let's try it and see if you can stand up. So I stood up. Were you just freaking out with excitement? Oh, I, I would yes. be just elated. Oh, yes. I was so excited. Because it's not very often that people tell you that, oh, hey, you're going to be in a wheelchair. And you just feel lost and useless because you're just like this person shoved off in a corner. And then all of a sudden, you're like, hey, I can be a normal human again. Wow. That that's an experience in itself. I, I'm just curious. Did did the person that caused this? Did they come and talk to you or anything about it? Oh yes, they were very upset about it. They were one of the ones that actually rode with me to the hospital because they, just, they were just so shaken up about it. They're like, "I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry." And finally, I just had to look at them and be like, "Would you shut up? I'm hurting, <laughs> and you're just talking nonstop." I was like, "I'm not mad at you. I'm really not." <laughs> Like, it could have happened to anybody. I didn't have really bad luck. Wow. So you're at the hospital. They explain this to you. What happens then? 
do you continue with boot camp? Do you do they discharge you at that point? Pretty much they put me through physical therapy. And then due to the severity of my injury, they ended up discharging me. But I didn't get sent home until the day of graduation because the discharge process while you were in basic training is very long. Wow. So educate me a little bit here. Do you have any complications still because of it? Oh, yes. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was actually weed eating my yard and grew my back up. If I overexert myself, I can feel that nerve trying to swell, but that knot won't let it do its thing. And mm-hmm. I can feel it go all the way down my leg. And if I don't stop then, I'll end up hitting the floor. Wow. And because you didn't serve in the Army, you don't get any of the benefits or anything? That's the kicker. They gave me an LOD, which is a line of duty. It's your line of duty paperwork stating that you are eligible to get your benefits. But they discharged me with a Chapter 17, which is an uncharacterized discharge, which is like a general discharge. It wasn't medical or anything like that. So I'm supposed to get benefits because of it, but the VA won't give them to me. I've been fighting them since 2014. Wow. That's really, really messed up. And you were going in to the service to be a mechanic for helicopters. Blackhawk. And just bring in the, the listeners full circle why this all is applicable. So you're discharged now and you're at home. Do you get back into automotive at that point or where do you go from there? So at this point, it's May. I'm sent home May 1st of 14. Either May 1st or May 2nd. And then I go. I finished the, the actual discharge process because I went up to the National Guard because at that point I was going guard. I wasn't going full active because I wanted to finish school and finished my discharge through them. And then came home, was piddling around. About June or July, I actually went to work for Arby's just as a part-time thing so that I could try to get back into just normal everyday life and seeing what I could do with my back. And in August of 14 is when I started college for automotive technology. And where'd you go to school at, Amanda? National Park Community College in Hot Springs. And what was your area of focus? Pretty much with the automotive technologies, there's not really an area of focus. What it does is it gives you general knowledge and it helps pay for your ASE certification so that you can become a master mechanic. Got it. But there's a kicker. I only made it through... The first semester and part of the second semester, because I actually started having complications out of my back again. So I started having more and more doctor's appointments and ended up missing too many days and actually had to forfeit my school. Man, that's tough. Mm -hmm. So what, what happened next then? Next is where I actually went to the Chrysler dealership here in town when it was still the original owner from back in like the 90s or whenever he started he just recently sold a couple years back and his service manager took my application looked at it looked at me threw it in the trash and told me that he did not need a woman in his shop Hmm. so that point i got a little disheartened i want to explore this a little bit amanda walk us through that day you you go in so i go in and i ask where um where i could find the service manager they pointed me to his office i went in I shook his hand. I don't even remember his name at this point, but I shook his hand. I was like, hi, my name's Amanda Kassad. Um, I'm here to apply for 
the position of lube tech because I wanted to start off pretty much just changing the oil and work my way up because anybody that works in a dealership knows that unless you have those certifications, you can't jump straight to tech. So you weren't going in there thinking and acting like you're the bee's knees. You're simply asking for one of the most basic type roles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And did you, did you have a resume in hand? I did. I had the full application. I had the resume stating that I had gone to college and it stated that like in the Mojave's was with my uncle and my dad working on dirt cars. So I had a general knowledge of actual, like the mechanical side of it. Mm -hmm. And were, were you presenting yourself in a professional manner? Yeah. Via dress and everything. And, and I'm, po- I'm pointing this out, Amanda, just because I want to debunk any assumptions about what you did or didn't do when you walked in for this. Okay, so you're dressed professionally, you fill out the application as you're supposed to, you have your resume, talking respectfully to this person, mm-hmm. and then they literally look at your resume and look at you and take your application that you filled out. Did you at least, did he sit you down and ask you any questions first? Nope. He literally took your resume and application and threw it in the trash and said that they don't need women, females in the shop. Correct. How long ago was this? What year? This was the beginning of 2015. That was not that long ago. (laughs) This is, wow. And then they sold either the end of 2015, beginning of 16. And then by December 2nd, I was actually starting there because about a month prior, I had gotten a job offer through the new service manager and the new owner. Now, how did they find out about you? (laughs) My cousin Aaron and my mother worked there. My cousin Aaron was a lube tech. He actually worked his way up to being a tech. And my mom was a car salesman there. Did they work there when the previous owner, prior to the sale? No. They both started in 2016. Uh, After they sold it. My mom started there around August of 16, about two weeks after she bought a truck from them. And then got my cousin Aaron working there. And then they were talking to Jason about me. And he told him, like, you need to get her in here. I want to meet her. And I went in, wasn't expecting anything. And after talking to him just for a few minutes, he's like, what all do you know? And I told him, I was like, well, that I've gone to school for it. I can work on dirt cars. But in all actuality, I don't know much about the dealership side of it. He's like, do you want a job? So I heck yeah. <laughs> I was like a kid in a candy store on that one. Me and him ended up actually having a really good relationship to the point that I babysat his kids for him. Wow. Talk about the tale of two experiences, mm-hmm. literally at the same dealership. I mean, that's crazy when you think about it, right? Definitely. And from th- just to give a time lapse here, from the day that you first walked in there and interviewed with the previous service manager to when you were hired on, I mean, how many years difference is that? is almost two years. So just within two years' time, you're working at the same year and a half, working at the same dealership you went into where the service manager threw your resume in the trash in front of you. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. That's the stuff you see on TV you don't think actually happens. But he literally threw it away right in front of you. He did. And it, it was one of the most heartbreaking 
just disappointing moments ever because when you realize like, oh, hey, I want to do this. I want, I know I want to do this because I can feel it in my heart that I want to turn racist. And then somebody doesn't actually step up and give you that chance. Well, that's beyond giving you a chance. That Like, that's not even being tactful and professional. I'm impressed by you that you came back and even though that that disheartened you, you didn't give up. Because there's probably some people who, who if the same dealership, even though it's a new service manager saying, come in, let's talk to you about a job after that happened, there's some that would be like, screw this, it's not worth it. And that example is why so many women get pushed out. Mm-hmm. And the, the women that are in the industry, what they have had to endure, not all of them, but a lot of them, to stay in the industry, geez, it, it shouldn't be that way. And I'm sorry, you had to go through that. Shame on him. That That's a poor excuse for a human being treating anyone like that Mm -hmm. so i'm very impressed with you i'm glad you went ahead and did it so in 2016 you started as a loop tech at a chrysler dealership Mm -hmm. and then i stayed with them was working on getting my certifications was almost to the point that i was a level zero tech to the point that i was actually going to start going to school and being able to be moved from Lube Tech to the actual technician side of it. And then our dealership and the Nissan dealership did a dealer swap because we were, Chrysler was owned by the Oars and Nissan was owned by Riser. And the Oars liked Nissan better. And obviously Riser had, had always been wanting the Chrysler dealership, so they swapped. I was taken from Chrysler to Nissan. Should have stayed at Chrysler, I really should have. I regret leaving, but when I got over there, things actually changed a little bit. I was I was promised like, hey, you're going to continue moving up, continue being trained to be a tech, get over there and making ten fifty an hour as a lube tech, but I'm pretty much babysitting the techs. There was two techs there that um, were having health issues at the time, and so I got moved from doing lube, being in the lube bay actually going over helping them pull transmissions and helping them with the, the little stuff because one had a knee replacement one had a something else going on with them that, where they couldn't lift more than five pounds so i was still doing my oil changes but i was also helping them at the other end of the shop and then when one of the techs went to go back to chrysler my manager looked at me and told me that he didn't think that I was good enough to be a technician and that I would starve to death. And I actually looked at him and I was like, you're telling me that you yourself think that I'm going to starve to death. He's like, that is your personal opinion. That's not your professional opinion. Because one, I'm down here pulling transmissions and also still doing my old changes. I'm also doing tires. I'm doing pretty much everything. And it's on cars that I, I for one, don't even like. To this day, I still do not like Nissan. They're good cars. I don't like to work on them. I don't like sideways engines, but um, he actually printed off a paper that had an electrical diagram on it. He's like, show me the ground. Pointed right at it. Like, all right, show me some relays. Pointed right at them. He's like, well, that doesn't change my opinion. He's like, I'm going to hire somebody. He's like, all right. So with what I was making, I was pretty much only able to make my truck payment and my insurance. And I wasn't able to buy anything else, do anything I needed to do. I myself was actually starving to death. If it wasn't for my grandma and my mom, I would probably have withered away by now. But my mom... Can, can I ask a question, Amanda? Mm-hmm. So 
instead of giving you the opportunity to advance, this service manager ended up going outside and hiring someone in instead of promoting within and giving you the opportunity. Correct. Now, I got to ask some questions. So I debunk any excuse that someone may have listening to this. Mm -hmm. Did you miss a lot of work? No. I had... At this point, I had not missed a single day. And how and how long were you working there? At this point, a year. When I actually started, when I actually had to miss a little bit, about a week, I ended up being forced to take my one-week vacation because I ended up with a severe staph infection in my arm from helping my stepdad do a change-out for air conditioning in an attic and got insulation embedded in my arm. Ugh, so, yucky. still going to work. Okay. Snow, everything, never missed work until I got So, staff. one time, and then you were off for just a week. Mm-hmm. I asked him if I could take my week's vacation because in about, I think at that point, three days to a week, I would have been my one-year mark. I would have been eligible for it anyways. Yeah. And he told me, he's like, look, I'm not letting you work. He says, you need to go home. And I asked him, I was like, hey, since in a couple of days it's my one-year mark, can I go ahead and get my one-week vacation? That way I can get paid for being off and he's like yeah sure so and that- uh, that's admirable i think that's the right thing to do an employer to do okay so you were there you got passed up on an opportunity for advancement for what reason i'm not sure i can't figure it out if you can tell me because i'm not sure i you know i I struggle with these things, Amanda, because when I sit in these interviews and I hear this stuff, and I know there's going to be people out there like, oh, here she goes. It's going to be because she's a girl, because she's a female. If someone else can help me make sense out of this and really explain in these scenarios why these women are passed up, why you are passed up for it, I will gladly listen. I I will. And I'm not saying just because someone's a female that they're deserved that right. Hell no. You got to earn that. The only thing I can think of is that I knew him and his wife on a personal level because I babysat for him. And he was worried that at the beginning of it, I wouldn't be able to make ends meet. But I'm the type of person that if I know you and we work together at work, it's no longer a personal relationship is going to be professional. I've worked on and off with my mom for years. As soon as I clock into work and she clocks into work, she's no longer mom. She's Kelly or she's corporal because she's corporal at the jail. And I worked at the jail with her. I was a deputy. Mm-hmm. She was a corporal. We'd see each other in passing and be like, hello, corporal. But as soon as I clocked out, she went back to being mom. There's one thing I have to say for men who are trying to navigate this and figure this out. I know some men think that if they don't give a, a a woman particular jobs in their opinion where maybe they'll get too dirty or there's too heavy of things or they th- they think that they're doing the woman a favor by not giving them the promotion or not hiring them. What I would tell you, gentlemen out there, is let them decide for themselves. Let the woman make or break it for themselves. Let them do it themselves. Don't decide that for them. Some of them may do it, and some of them may just shock the hell out of you, and you end up being their biggest fan because they proved you wrong, and it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But deciding that for a woman, I don't know any human being that wants someone else to decide their career for them and the direction in which they take it. 
Would you agree with that, Amanda? I agree 100%. And when when I hear a story like your story, that's what I hear. And, and it's frustrating. It's, well, heck, how did you feel when it happened? What were your feelings? I was very angry. Mm-hmm. And it, I imagine it's a progression of feelings. It probably starts off as anger. Then it may move to another feeling. After after a little bit due to him, me and him and his family knowing each other on a personal level, it kind of felt like betrayal. Because I'm the type of person, I'm really independent. If I need help, I will ask for it. It's like on the 18-wheeler tires where I'm working now. Every now and then I need help because my coordination is kind of off with a pry bar and using your foot and your hand trying to get it off of the hub. But, I mean, that's something I have to learn. That's something I'm still striving every day to try to learn. And if you try to take that away from me, it's going to make me very angry. And my boss has already figured that out. And that's not a bad thing. And it's not about proving it's not about oh a woman can do everything a man is the reality is is men are bigger and they're stronger Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean women can't do it we just do it differently we may get a longer bar to for leverage purposes we just may do it differently but that doesn't mean we can't do it you just have to be open to doing things a different way it doesn't make any one way right or wrong it's just different Mm -hmm. I had grease on my forehead the other day, and I, I didn't even know it. I just got in my truck and drove the hour home because I work in Little Rock and live in Hot Springs. And my dad was here at my house. He said, what's up with your forehead? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? He goes, you have like dirt or grease or something just from your eyebrows up to your hairline. I was like, you know what? I bet you I know what it's from. He's like, what? So I started explaining to him, you've seen 18-wheeler tires. They are huge, and they weigh about the same as I do. Well, one of my biggest issues is trying to keep them on the lug studs so I could get my lug nuts on. Well, I figured it out one day. You put your feet up underneath the tires, bend your knee, bend your knees and scoot up close to it and hold on to it with your knees. And I use my head at the top of the tire to hold it up that way too. So it stays flat. <laughs> and then I put my lug, my lug nuts on that way. You need to start wearing like um, the, the do-rags or the... Um... I don't even know, like the handkerchiefs, the whole handkerchief. I sound like my grandpa now. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) If we had AC in that shop, probably. So you were passed up on that job. Then what did you do? Well, since... Or that promotion, I should say. Since I wasn't, I was pretty much starving to death at what I was making. And I was getting behind on my bills. My credit cards were through the roof and I was struggling with paying them. My mom actually talked me into going to the county as a sheriff's deputy. Put in my application there, got pretty much hired within a couple of weeks and was there with them for a a year and a half. And then out of the blue, back in April, off of an old application off of Indeed, I got a job offer through Carco. Um, It's Carco Rentals. And they wanted me to become a diesel tech. So... Had you ever done work on diesel before? No. Interesting. Okay. Not at all. I'm still struggling with it. I'm going to be honest. But they are easier to work on because there's a lot more room. Yeah, the parts are bigger, but you got to think. The hood folds forward. The engine's right there. It's all pretty much the same mechanical setup. You should got glow plugs versus spark plugs, air ride suspension and air brakes, and a couple of the different changes. But it's all easy to work on. If you need to change a windshield wiper motor, you can have it done in 15 minutes. If you need to change a turbo. You can have it done in probably about 30 minutes versus an actual Cummins 
truck and a Ram 3500, you're going to spend like maybe two hours on it. So by diesel, we're talking big, big diesel. Oh, yes. The big boys. Yes. So what do you work on? Walk us through a day in the life of Amanda. My place of work, I have a large variety. I have the Volvos, which have a Volvo engine in them, which I absolutely hate because Volvo, for some reason, decided to put three oil filters on it in a row. I've worked on internationals with the Max Force and the Cummins. I've worked on, I got to work on a Mac the other day. That was fun. We just got a couple of Isuzu gas burners, little box trucks. And we have Freightliner box trucks and international box trucks, too. I think Cummins that is, is by far my quite favorite. the plethora. Cummins is your favorite? Yes. How come? They have the smartest setup. With the Max Force, you have the air coolers. And if it gets just a little low on coolant, they're going to go, those air coolers are going to burn up because of where they're positioned. Cummins has actually put a lot of thought process into their engine setup. So their air coolers are lower down on the engine. They last a lot longer. I mean, it's just a phenomenal engine. The Cummins engine will actually last a whole lot longer than any other engine so far that I've seen. We have one out there with 700,000 miles on it. Wait, coming? there's an engine that has 700,000 miles on it? Mm-hmm. What? Yep, 18-wheelers. I'm telling you, they they can go almost forever. Wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. We just had a Volvo blow up at 546000 Wow. that That's just insane to me. Wow. I'm, I'm still processing that. 700000 Mm-hmm. So you have been with this company for how long? Since May 13th. So a few months now. Months. And mm-hmm. do you see yourself staying for a while longer? Are you going back to school? What's your plan? Right now, I'm just taking it day by day. Because I'm right now, I'm just... Still trying to learn and trying to learn all the aspects of it. As we were talking earlier before the interview started, my weakness is electrical art. So I'm definitely trying to work on that and pretty much just trying to learn the diagnostic system of it before I get too heavy with it because it's a lot different from going from automotive to working on heavy diesel. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. And it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. The drive shafts, I had to replace a carrier bearing the other day. I'm going to tell you right now. A four-piece drive shaft, just one of the pieces to the drive shaft, weighs probably about 80, 90 pounds. I mean, how do you do that? As a female, those parts are so big and so heavy. How do you figure out how to navigate that? And you have a a back injury. So I'm sure you have to be real intelligent about what you're doing. Luckily, God blessed me with really strong legs through years of horse riding and all kinds of other things. And so I figured it out. If I roll the drive shaft over on top of me and let it like sit from like my head down between my legs, I can put my feet up underneath it, cross my ankles and squeeze it with my knees and pick it up that way and then bolt it in and then move on to the next one. Gentlemen, this is a perfect example of how females figure it out. It may not be the way that you'll do it, but that doesn't mean we can't get it done. (laughs) I love it. That is a great, great way to segue into the red line round and just opening people's mind around the possibilities of what women can do. 
And not only can women be mechanics, but they can be diesel mechanics working on 18-wheeler trucks and get it done. I love it, Amanda. Are you ready to launch into the red line round, my friend? Sure. It's five rapid-fire questions. There's no right or wrong answer on it. Whatever pops into your head first is the right answer. Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? That would actually be four people. It would be my Uncle Odo, my daddy, or as I said earlier, my stepdad, my grandmother, and my mom. They've all backed me 100%, and they keep inspiring me every day. Love it. Where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or get stuck on a job? Not even going to lie. Google and YouTube. Google and YouTube. Is there any um, go-tos in that you have in your favorites? For automotive, there's an OBD2 website that I use for um, more complex codes. But I haven't quite got any favorites for the heavy diesel side of it yet. I just pretty much randomly click stuff and hope for the best. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. What excites you most about what you do, Amanda? That was kind of a tough one. Pretty much when I can actually say that, hey, I diagnosed it, I fixed it. Because to me, engines are like a giant puzzle. And you can take them apart and put them back together all day long. But when you have to actually use your mind and figure out what's broke and then replace it, that's what excites me. And being being able to be a woman in the field and prove that, hey, women can do this, it makes it very rewarding and very exciting. Here, here. What is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in the industry when you feel stuck, unsupported, or discouraged? How did you get through that when not once but twice you were you felt betrayed or disappointed or disheartened going down this journey? Well, my papa, who God rest his soul, he passed away quite a few years ago. He taught me while actually doing puzzles on the kitchen table that sometimes you have to take a step back. And when you come at it at a different angle, you might be able to find the right piece to go into the hole. Love it. And finally, Amanda, what is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in the skilled trades industry? Do not give up. Whatever you have to do, keep fighting. You get discouraged. If you have to take a break, that's fine. But always go back to it because you are strong and you are more capable of doing anything that you want to do as long as you set your mind to it. If you have a dream, Go for it 110%. Where and how can people connect with you? I am on Facebook as Amanda Nicole. Nicole is N-I-C-H-O-L-E. And also on Instagram as Flossie May. Flossie, F-L-O-S-S-I-E underscore M-A-E underscore. And I have more of my mechanic side on my Instagram. Perfect. Amanda, thank you so much for being in the driver's seat today and sharing your story with the Femcanic community. I'm very happy to be here. My name is Amanda Nicole Kassad. I am a diesel technician, and I am a Femcanic. In the next episode, Andrea Bullard is in the driver's seat. She is the founder and owner of Off-Road Like a Girl Apparel and Accessories. During the interview, she introduces the Femcanic Garage community to the off-road world. Until next time, Femcanics. Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. 
You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribes for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic? In the next episode, Andrea Bullard is in the driver's seat. She is the founder and owner of Off-Road Like a Girl Apparel and Accessories. During the interview, she introduces the Femcanic Garage community to the off-road world. Until next time, Femcanics.